0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva, welcome to our podcast, get educated or be enslaved. Episode 494, air date January 13th, 2020. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Shiva Yadure. Sorry I was a little bit late, um, but as promised, I wanted to do a, uh, a, a educational session. I'll be doing one now. Um, at, uh, as time for 11 a.m. and again at 7 p.m. and it's really for everyone but I actually wanted to invite the New Jersey legislators, both the Assembly and the Senate. I was down there on Monday, some of you may know, to really support the movement there for Truth, Freedom and Health because people are recognizing that the discourse and the legislation that's come up on vaccines is really not about vaccines but it's about something much deeper which is really about the uh, attack on freedom, uh, the denial of science, and, and therefore the denial of, of health. And if you don't have healthy people, you can't really fight for freedom. So what I wanted to do is I hope there are legislators who have taken time today to come. Uh, anyone is, uh, can ask questions. If you're on Twitter, you can just literally post a question on here. And I will uh, attempt to answer it uh, to the best of my ability. But what I wanted to do was really lay out the framework when I talk about truth, freedom, and health and how these things are connected. Many of you may know that when I uh, share uh, the science or share my views on things, I really always bring it back to a systems approach to understanding things. And a systems approach says that the ankle bone is connected to the foot bone. Things are connected and truth actually emerges uh, as we use the scientific method To understand not only the parts of some phenomenon we're looking at but also to understand the interconnections and from those interconnections we can start uh, getting closer to what's actually going on but it's really understanding these interconnections so as a part of this what I thought I would do is first uh, really talk to you about truth freedom and health itself as a system so if you look at this diagram here uh, it's taken me probably uh, quite a bit of time to really articulate this in a very simple way but basically, let's begin on the bottom left there of your screen, which is freedom. The reason freedom is extremely important is because it is from freedom, through the freedom to discourse, through the freedom to debate, uh, you know, to the uh, that we actually uh, have the opportunity to apply the scientific method and systems thinking to discover the truth. So what I mean by that is freedom really means the uh, as much. People can participate in a conversation as many people can give their views and we have vigorous debate and vigorous discourse without censorship and that process allows us to execute the scientific method in systems thinking so what do I mean by that so the scientific method if you recall from if you were seventh eighth grade if you took your first science course begins like this you have a phenomenon that you see in the natural world uh, and that's called an observation and from that observation um, the goal is you want to understand that observation so you don't really know why that phenomenon is happening let's say you see an apple fall from a tree so you may come up with your guess and that guess may be that there's something called the earth which has a gravitational force which pulls that apple down and you may actually take a a guess at describing that force now in order to uh, validate or verify what you're doing the 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 guess by the way is the second step in the scientific method It's called a hypothesis or a guess in layman's terms you then go execute a series of experiments so these experiments are done to get data you get that data you organize that data some people call it data mining Um, the measurement process takes place and then you mine that data and from the mining of that data you then create what's called a model or a mathematical formula typically and that formula expresses um, the interaction in this case let's say the earth to that apple and that may be some equation and you check if that equation that you're seeing from your data matches what your original guess was and if it doesn't match your guess as richard Feynman once said it doesn't matter how good looking you are what family background you're coming in from you're just simply wrong and you go back to the drawing board so anyways anyway that's the scientific method so when you look at this diagram here When when I say you need freedom, which means the open discourse, you need to be able to actively question someone of their data, uh, that's the exercising of the scientific method. But I've also added something else here. The scientific method also requires a systems approach to seeing that, as I mentioned, the ankle bone is connected to the foot bone, that things are interconnected. So bottom line is we need freedom to exercise the scientific method and systems thinking to arrive at what we call the truth. Now, why is the truth important? Well, the truth is important because from the truth, we can actually identify real problems from which we can innovate real solutions um, for our health. So this step is important because once you understand, you know, what's actually going on, how the ankle bone's connected to the foot bone, what the mechanics of things are, you can say, you know what, in this very complex system, that is actually the real problem. And in order to solve that real problem we will now use our ability uh, to be creative and innovative and we will uh, figure out a solution for that real problem. Not a fake problem, not a fake solution, but for the real problem. And from that process we then uh, can innovate things for not only the, the, the health of our physical body but the health of our infrastructure. Maybe the bridges are falling apart as we know here uh in massachusetts the third worst infrastructure in the country uh the healthcare system maybe we can identify what the real problem is maybe in the educational and research system we can identify what the real problem is that infrastructure we can fix Uh, perhaps we can actually look at what the real problem is in the infrastructure of digital rights and freedom why some people are able to converse uh through google and facebook and other people get shut down so that's why this step is extremely important because Um, We need to actually understand the truth. What is the real problem? Not a fake problem. We have to understand there are people today Who do not want freedom to take place? You can't find the truth so they create a fake problem and then they create a fake solution and None of it really helps the health of us or our infrastructure, etc But once you can identify that now you can get a healthy you have a chance at getting Maintaining your health you have a chance at maintaining the health of the infrastructure your community and your society that healthy resilient infrastructure gives us the ability to have the strength to fight for freedom okay Uh, we have uh, people who know more have access to more information uh, they're getting educated more etc so these three principles truth freedom and health have been something i've been you know exploring as a four-year-old kid uh, trying to understand why there was a caste system in india how my grandmother who had no degrees was able to heal people and that that's been my journey so i feel frankly, very honored and uh, fortunate to be able to share this knowledge. Uh, But this is sort of the foundation, truth, freedom, and health. And you can see how this itself is a system and how these things are connected. Uh, So let's now, uh, what I wanna do is, let me go over here. I wanna now um, go to the next part here and really look at what is evidence. You know, What is evidence? It's a good question. What is actually evidence? Well, the scientific definition of evidence uh, is something very, very, um, uh, some people have forgotten, but evidence is, in order f- for, for something to be evidence, it, it uh, uh, there cannot be ambiguity. It means evidence is something that is unambiguously predicted. Okay? There cannot be ambiguity. It means that evidence is something that is unambiguously predicted. And I'll sort of give you an example Um, if you've been uh, many of you've been watching the climate change uh, you know the pro-climate anti-climate stuff one of the things that we need to understand is that when you start looking at something like the environment the, the climate by the way there is no field called climate science it's a longer discussion you can see some of my videos this is something that's been manufactured climate science is actually radiative physics it's fluid mechanics It's applied mathematics it's a very complex field and you have a very complex system the sun and the earth interacting with two very complex fluids the atmosphere as well as the ocean these two things uh, interact and um, it's a very uh, complex system because these interactions when people try to make predictions if you wanna make accurate predictions, that means in order for it to be evidence, it has to be unambiguously predicted. And what you'll see here is this is a kind of stuff that's not evidence, but that's actually published in the Climate Change Report. You can see these are the, each of these lines represents the predictions across 40 different models of ice melting, okay? On the Arctic. And what you see is um, that you actually see that there is multiple answers. There's 40 different answers. In fact, uh, it's almost like the Baskin-Robbins ice cream uh, flavors. There's a flavor of the month. So one model predicts, if you look along the top, that 100% of the ice sheets will melt, and another model predicts nothing else and everything in between. This is not evidence. This is not unambiguous prediction. It's really, I hate to say it, it's fake science, but this is a world we live in today that we, uh, truth is not being, you can't debate this. Um, there's a thing called scientific consensus so people move forward and then then this becomes a basis of policy that CO2 is a pollutant, and then all of us are going to get taxed more to support a model, uh, which is a fake model, which is, it isn't even based on science, okay? Um, so let's uh, really share that uh, uh, evidence is an unambiguous prediction so let's now go to the immune system and um, i'm not sure how many of the uh, congress and legislative people or the legislative people are on from new jersey everyone by the way uh, i welcome but we really wanted because of the vote taking place in new jersey we wanted to really invite um the congress people the assembly plus the senators why because um a few days ago an amendment was made to a bill there was just a review uh, back around on December 16th, the assembly in New Jersey voted to eliminate religious exemptions in New Jersey. They passed the assembly, went to the Senate. They didn't have enough votes. So uh, a few days ago, they brought it back to the Senate and they amended the bill to make it completely ludicrous, which basically uh, fundamentally says, I hate, I hate to bring it to this essential point, that only rich people have the potential of getting exemptions that go to private schools. That's fundamentally what's occurred. And uh, and on top of that, uh, courageous mothers and fathers and families have been out there protesting. And this is not again; it's not about just vaccines. This is about the restriction of freedom, to control your own body and what goes into you or your uh, uh, children's bodies. So it's really about freedom and the First Amendment. So massive protests. Uh, I was very fortunate to be go down there. I shared my views on this uh, on this and the notion of truth, freedom, and health. But we also that evening we did a whole uh, two-hour event in West Orange uh, uh, near Livingston High School where we shared the theory of the immune system. It's it's also in one of my Twitter feeds. So I wanna just review that and give the opportunity for anyone to ask any questions about it. But fundamentally, just to review, the immune system really has two subsystems that it's made up of. It has the innate immune system, which you see on the left, and the adaptive immune system. And just to keep it simple, let me go to these boxes here. When a pathogen comes, um, it first affects your innate immune system, and then it triggers your adaptive immune system, which then gives antibodies. Now, this is what's known as the current model of the immune system. And I wanna emphasize this. This approach is the, or this um, science is what has been used um, uh, someone just said, uh, I hope Fox News perhaps Tucker will have him for a few minutes, only a few minutes. Well, we'll see. We'll see if Tucker has the courage. <laughs> but hopefully he does. But here's the bottom line. The, the, the entire science has to date has been based on um, this concept of the innate and the adaptive immune system. It's a two box model. Okay. So when a pathogen comes, it comes through the innate immune system. And we'll explain what that is. And that process can occur between zero to around 72 hours. And then if, if the pathogen is not, uh, you know, annihilated during that process, it then triggers the adaptive immune system. Okay, so this is what they teach in medical school to MDs and pediatricians. And remember, MDs and pediatricians do not, are not engineers. Uh, they do not understand how large scale systems work. Their they're, they're, they're entire way that they learn in medical school is in a very siloed way. They maybe get one course in immunology, and in that one course, probably in a few uh, lectures, they learn this, that there's the adaptive, and there's the, I mean, there's the innate, and there's the adaptive. A pathogen comes, you turn on the innate system, and then you turn on the adaptive, okay? This is what MDs and pediatricians learn. So the MDs and pediatricians who uh, are being called on for expertise by the, the uh, politicians out there need to understand they actually are not experts for two reasons. A, what I'm sharing with you here, this model of the immune system, first of all, is about 60 to 150 years old, okay? It's about 60 to 150 years old. That means um, that the model that's being used for the immune system is 60 to 150 years old, and it's very different than the current model of the immune system, which is what we're gonna talk about shortly the current model of the immune system is far different than what, what people are taught here, okay? So this is something that everyone needs to understand that this two box model is literally 50, or 60 to 150 years old. So what is the, and why do I say that? Because this model is the essential science, it's the outdated science that's being used to argue that vaccines are safe. And remember, the essential issue here is if vaccines were 100% safe, proven, then we could say, okay, everyone should take them, they're fine. But the reality is, if you're using a science that's outdated, um, you have, by its nature, you're not considering all the effects of when you get a vaccine and, and the science itself, that there is going to be risk. And that's what I want to share with you here. So if you go back here in the two-box model, when a vaccine is given, it's given into the adaptive immune system. And the notion of uh, the vaccine's efficacy, that means that it works, is based on does it upregulate antibodies. And this is essentially the science. You have a pathogen, comes through the innate immune system in a normal way, it triggers adaptive. But we're going to give the vaccine to simulate nature to get these antibodies. So just to review, what is the innate immune system? Well, the innate immune system is when you get a pathogen, it is coming through your skin, your cough reflexes, your tears, your mucosal layer, your stomach acid, and your gut. And then there are various cells involved in there, the monocytes, the macrophages, the neutrophils, the NK cells, and dendritic cells. So simply put, if I were to sneeze on you right now and I had measles, that, first of all, uh, would go on your skin, You know, uh, it, it, it goes into your eyes, maybe into your muc- mucosal layer in your nose, your respiratory system, and then your innate immune system is in these physical areas of contact with the outer environment and then a set of cells these monocytes macrophages neutrophils nk cells dendritic cells they're like infantry they literally go start attacking whatever was in my sneeze okay sorry sorry to be a little disgusting here and that's the first line of attack within about and that lasts around zero to 72 hours and then after that the adaptive immune system kicks in where the innate immune system is not specific it's once. You know, it's uh, one massive attack. The adaptive immune system is meant to be the specific immune system where it has T-cells, T-lymphocytes, and B-lymphocytes, which are meant um, to identify the particular pathogen in that sneeze, okay? And then create what are called antibodies to that, all right? So you have the innate and the adaptive. Again, this is the old model of the immune system. And just to get a little more detail, in that old model, if you, if you were to side-by-side compare the innate and the adaptive, you see the, the uh, features of it are primitive and broad. The adaptive is highly specific. That's clearly the word, the specificity. Uh, the speed is immediate. Um, in the adaptive, it takes around 72 hours after it kicks in. The regulation is essentially on or off. In the, in the adaptive system, it's literally, um, you know, it regulates itself, it can increase or lower potency is lower on the innate higher on the adaptive the kinetics which means how fast it occurs are very fast this takes days uh, weeks the amplification is insignificant here there is an amplification the duration is short and here you can last a long time you you know once if you're exposed to measles if you have these measles parties you're exposed uh, essentially for life for a very very long time the theory of the old model was there is no memory to the innate system this actually turns out to be false Again, this is an outdated, old science, but this is, again, what's used in medical school by MDs and pediatricians. And the adaptive is, yes, there is memory. And and so on, uh, you know, the activity is always present. This is normally silent and kicks in. When the pathogen kicks in, it's unspecific. And here, it's highly specific. So again, just to review, this is a two-compartment model of the immune system. So any of the legislators listening understand that there's just two boxes here, pathogen, and if you get antibodies, the old model says you're in great shape and that when you stick in a vaccine through the bloodstream, you're going to check for antibodies, okay? But the reality is that this is actually uh, not true. What the truth is, is that there are other systems that make up the immune system. So think about if you were to only look uh, at the old story of the elephant, you know, the, the, the blind men looking at the elephant, um, you may know this. It's a very famous story. A uh, king brings in six blind men. They're touching parts of the elephant, and the king asks what they quote unquote see. The guy who touches a tail thinks it's a brush. The guy who touches the tusk thinks it's a you know a, a, a spear. The guy who touches a leg thinks it's an oak tree, and so on. So basically, if you reduce the entire immune system just to two boxes. Um, you don't get the whole picture of the the whole immune system. You're only looking at two pieces. It's not even the whole, anywhere near the whole elephant. And it turns out um, there's at least one other box. It's called the interferon system. The interferon system is a link between the innate and the adaptive. I would ask many of you guys to go ask your MD or your pediatrician, um, uh, many of the legislators, if they can even explain to you the workings of the interferon system. It is... Again, the missing link between the innate and the adaptive system. Ask any of the MDs, pediatricians, if they can explain the intricacies of it, the molecular systems of it. Well, I'm an engineering systems guy. I have you know, four degrees from MIT. My PhD is in a field of, uh, called biological engineering. In 2003, MIT created this field because they were recognizing of the big gaps in science occurring in the old biology, biological sciences method that as we were finding parts, of biology, we needed people to understand the engineering, how these parts were connected. That gave rise to a very new field in 2003 called biological engineering. I was one of the first graduates out of that field. And for my PhD work, um, I built a whole new technology to understand how molecular systems work. But I also studied at least 50% of my PhD thesis was, was on the interferon system. The interferon system is triggered by the innate immune system. It actually has memory. Let me repeat that. The innate immune system portions of it because of the interferon have memory. So you you have the ability to do what's called viral interference. You get a viral virus hitting you, these other thousands of genes get turned on and those genes essentially with IFN alpha and beta are able to protect against other viruses. So it's not true that the innate immune system has no memory. And this has been shown more recently, more recent experiments. The other piece of this is that the IFN system then modulates the adaptive immune system through IFN gamma and IFN lambda. And what you also notice is you see this arrow coming back, the adaptive immune system also knows how to turn off the innate immune system and modulate it. This is really important. Pathogen comes in through the innate immune system, the IFN system gets turned on in a beautiful orchestra piece, the adaptive gets turned on, and then the adaptive turns turns it off because if you don't turn off, the innate immune system, you, you have what's called autoimmunity, right? You're always trying to fight something and you're always turning, you're not modulating, you're not turning things on and turning things off. So the body in many ways is well constructed over billions of years across all of our evolution to be able to modulate all of these chemical reactions so you're able to build immunity and also turn it off. Now, is this all there is to it? Well, it turns out there's more uh, beyond just this. Um, And by the way, if you look at this, even if you just look at this 3-box model now, um, what you'll see here is that you can compare, if I get an exposure going through the innate on the right side to the interferon and the adaptive, well, what's the risk of actually being exposed? That's really the fundamental question. And what are the benefits? There are, are also benefits to being, for example, exposed to the actual virus. Your body orchestrates the innate, the IFN and the adaptive turns it off. Your body learns from that. It builds its own in, uh, innate and adaptive memories from that, and it gets resilient. Well, that's... Now, there is some risk. In the 1963, some people decided that one out of 100,000 people getting measles the innate the normal way uh, was too high, which means 0.001%, and based on that risk, they created what is known as the current model of vaccines because someone decided that risk was too high. But the issue if we go back to this diagram is now we're subverting the innate and the IFN and we're going down to the adaptive. Well, what's the risk of that? And what are the benefits of that? This is the fundamental question here. And And the bottom line is there are no really risk assessment studies for vaccines. They don't know the risks. And that's the issue here. So when you don't know the risk, and when you're dealing with a complex system that has taken billions of years to engineer, and you're going and tweaking around with it to say that it's risk-free or the risk is minimal when you haven't done the risk is is frankly awful science uh, at worst fake science. Now it gets even more interesting when I go to this diagram. Um, this is something I recently presented at the National Science Foundation. It's a it's a it's when you start looking at all the science that's come out over the last 20 25 years or 30 years um, you start realizing that yes there is the NA, yes there is the ifn and yes there is the adaptive uh, but there's something more than that there's other components here we now know there's a, a very rich um, aspect of our body called the microbiome the microbiome are the all the different bacteria in your gut, and they're at varying ratios, which are really only starting to understand in your mouth. There's a whole virome, all the viruses within us. Um, And all of these are in addition to the 10 trillion cells that we have. So we potentially have another 3 to 10 trillion bacteria. We probably have another 100 trillion viruses. It's it's quite a whole new area. So when you look at it, the microbiome slash virome it interacts with the innate immune system, it interacts with the IFN, it interacts with the adaptive, and the microbiome is connected to the neural system, your brain, the gut brain axis. You may have heard of this. So at least we have another, you know, uh, one, one, two, three other subsystems, very, very complex systems interacting. So you really have to ask if you go subvert the adaptive immune system, before we just talked about the IFN, you're turning off, turning on, perturbing many of these other subsystems. So if you're supposed to get, if we're in the natural world, we're supposed to be getting viruses and pathogens coming up through the innate, turning on the IFN, uh, interacting with the microbiome, the neural system, all these things react to that pathogen, achieve some homeostasis. What happens when you're actually subverting all of those systems and going right into the adaptive, with a virus which is actually not even the full virus that you would get in the natural world it is a fake version of it it's a fake virus right because it's attenuated it has other stuff in it that has been a course of a uh, big controversy aluminum and, and thimerosal uh mercury other adjuvants and the entire risk model has not been established on this so to mandate that you cannot you can you cannot get any exemptions religious or medical um, it's absolutely absurd. It's, it's, it's against science, but it's also against freedom because when you look at this diagram here, when you turn something like this on, the adaptive immune system, each one of us has very different genetics, epigenetics. Each one of us eats different things. We, uh, to assert that you're gonna force everyone to get the same schedule of vaccines, knowing that the bodies, our internal molecular systems are very different and knowing that you don't have the risk assessment is unfortunately very, very bad science. And more importantly, it's against freedom. So that's what's fundamentally going on in this discourse. The science has been thrown away. I've uh, offered to come educate the legislators, and I know some of them are very interested in that. But those who are blindly voting to restrict, you know, uh, to, to, to eliminate the exemptions, and not really study the science. You have a gentleman by the name of Senator President Sweeney who is said that the science is settled, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. And if he's listening to MDs and PhDs, I think his brother is an MD. Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he's not a systems guy. We're talking about the immune system. It's the immune system. And this is what it looks like. And it, there's probably other parts. I'm even open uh, you know, to saying that this is not fully there, that there's other components. So in conclusion, when we look at this over here, let me go back here. When we look at this over here, um, I just wanna bring this back to this. We have to have freedom to apply the scientific method so we can get to the truth. And from the truth, we can identify real problems and real solutions for the health of our bodies, our infrastructure. And from this, if we have real infrastructure, if we're healthy, we can literally go and, excuse me, I wanted to go here. We can literally go and uh, uh, have the strength to exercise our freedom, okay? So that's what this is really about. So in 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 the scientific aspect, and I wanna talk about herd immunity, is that A, the science is definitely not settled. B, we're talking about multiple complex systems. C, the science that people are talking about, the MDs and the PhDs, who are unqualified to talk about this, unless they understand the complexity of the immune system, um, uh, clearly shows that one size doesn't fit all. And the science, is 60 to 50 years old that was used to build vaccines, no risk assessment, and that's what we're talking about. I wanna take a little bit of time to talk about herd immunity, but I wanna just grab the phone here and see what people have to say on any questions that they have. I think it's important because I wanted to make this open for people to answer, ask questions. So let's see what we have here. Um, Let's see, so... uh, A second here. So let's see what questions we got. So we have people saying, uh, "Let's see, uh, science is never settled." That sounds ethically irris. Where, where can we download this? Hold on. Let me start from the beginning. scary that the scientists that view humans as a virus on the earth are also in charge of vaccines interesting um, this one says i love your research for your political party of choice doesn't represent the liberties of the individual um well just to let everyone know i don't care for any political party uh two years ago we ran in massachusetts as initially republicans because the democrats would ne- never let let a guy like me run the republicans were so scared we ran as independents and we ran as independents, uh, even though we got all the 20,000 ballot votes to get on the ballot, there was only three candidates, me and the Republican and the Democrat. They illegally did not allow me on the debate stage because that's how afraid they were. So it's not about Democrats or Republicans, it's the establishment versus you and me. I'm running this time as a Republican because my hope is by getting, it will be the opportunity at least for my voice to be heard on a debate stage. So again, I don't really care about either party. What I care about is truth, freedom, and health. Next question. If you question medical science while in medical school, then you get kicked out of grant programs. Well, this gets back to the fundamental issue of freedom. Um, We are replacing the scientific method with what is known as scientific consensus. It doesn't matter if 99 out of 100 people believe that the sun goes around the earth, and then one guy has evidence showing the earth goes around the sun. What matters is the evidence and the scientific method. That's why it's cool about science. It doesn't matter about your opinions. Um, thank you, love you so much. Thank you for your services, this life. Thank you for speaking out and educating and helping to be part of the solution. Hashtag biological engineering. Risk-free is 100% lie. Uh, who, just, who just exposed? Go to the banned video. Will the adaptive ever attack the fake virus benefits after it's been rendered null? Um, so the question is, look, I think it's an interesting question because when you go perturb one part of a complex system, the other aspects of the other components of the system will likely try to react in a way to achieve balance. So if you go manipulate the adaptive system when, it didn't come, when the virus or the pathogen didn't come through the normal way, one of the things that we're able to show now at least through our molecular systems analysis is That the other aspects of the system the ifn the microbiome other systems may change in order to react to the thing that short-circuited itself and got in there through the the vaccine model and this may be the cause of some of these autoimmune disorders right because when you look at diseases like lupus and multiple sclerosis this is where the body is attacking itself because it thinks that it itself is under attack so we have to look at this area of autoimmunity and how when you perturb one part of the system in the, in the non-natural way, how that turns, potentially turns on these systems when they shouldn't be turned on. Um, science has never settled. The elephant in the dark. Idris Shaw book. Okay, apparently you have to start somewhere. Uh, you need to come down to speak to Florida. Would love to do so. One of the things we want to do is we want to educate legislators. Um, there are probably two kinds of legislators the the what I call the legislators who are sold out um, who essentially are career politicians who have no job um, and this is a way to build their career right so they're just looking for their payday where they'll get money or essentially looking for power profit and control however there are probably legislators who truly want to serve and but they have been misinformed and for those people we also want to do this but this is not about legislators this is really about the broad public that needs to also be legislated so they realize that, that their freedom is under attack. Herd immunity. I want to talk about that. Uh, thanks for sharing. Good morning. Can vaccines weaponize our immune system against us? Vaccines are an easy in. That's a very, very interesting question. Can vaccines weaponize us against us? So if you look at this model, I want to go back to this, this diagram here. If you are... If you are... Um, uh, short-circuiting the innate immune system going through the adaptive it behooves anyone who has any type of engineering mindset to realize that the microbiome the IFN these other systems are going to try to react to that pathogen in some way to try to balance itself out and if you don't even have that common sense then something wrong with you and this is what's happened um, unfortunately most MDs and most PhD uh, most the MDs and the pediatricians do not learn a systems approach by the way a systems approach to biology is also relatively new that occurred around 2003 it's a field called systems biology you, you look at a guy like hotez and these other guys out there you know they they're not engineering systems guys they know less systems training than the the, the plumber the electrician the engineer and that's the problem these guys are not experts at the immune system and yet you know, the newspapers like the New York Times give them huge spread, but it's they're unqualified to discuss the immune system, period. Let me go to the next question here. Um, human health is a bipartisan issue, lol. Next one. Dr. Shiva, can you please address the fallacy that unvaccinated pose a risk to the immunocompromised? Um, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this herd immunity because I wanted to talk about the big mathematics error that's being made here, which is one of the things I promise to do. Um, so one of the things that's going on here is that if you look at herd immunity let's discuss where this is coming from remember i talked about sometimes people create a fake problem and a fake solution if you really step back and you look at what has really improved human health it occurred uh, when we did infrastructure changes you know uh, people started eating better uh, public education we eliminated child labor sewage clean water, starting around the 1900s. And if you, and you, many of you have seen that curve where the number of deaths were around 14 out of 100,000. And with those massive infrastructure changes, one out of 200,000 people uh, were dying. So it went from 14 to one out of 200,000, 95% reduction. Vaccines, polio, etc., and measles came in way after that. So these medical interventions had a very, very minuscule effect. It was public infrastructure. And how did we get that public infrastructure? It came from you and I and uh, people like, working people like us, whose names we don't even know who fought during the 1800s and 1900s, and 1930s on the streets, massive protests because they were being abused by the establishment, the aristocracy of this country. They fought for those things, lit massive labor movements. That's how we got those changes. Okay, it wasn't medical doctors or Jonas Salk who saved us. This is a myth. Those massive changes took place, not from the elites, but from everyday working people who fought for us. That's the first thing. So let's talk about herd immunity. Well, herd immunity is based on promoting a fake science and and, and it's, and it's fake math because they're leaving out a whole part of the mathematics here. So herd immunity says, okay, there are a small set of people who are immunocompromised. Who are immunocompromised people? These, in the United States, around one out of two thousand people, what are called primary uh, immunodeficient. Okay, these are people undergoing perhaps a blood mar- a marrow transplant, maybe have severe AIDS, um, and you know they're in an ICU. Well, those people, you, you know, you need to be very careful. They're not introduced to people with infections, even if you give them a vaccine, it could affect them. Okay. So the immunocompromised people cannot even be vaccinated. So to protect that 100,000, I think about 170,000 people, one out of a 2,000, let's let's assume the U.S. population rounded to 300 million. So you have about 100, let's say about 170, 180,000 people are immunocompromised. To protect those people, the theory is for each vaccine, they've used a mathematical model to calculate what portion of the 300 million need to be immunized in order to protect that minority. So let me repeat that again, 300 million people over here, a small group of people are immunocompromised. In order to protect them, um, the goal is to vaccinate a certain percentage of these 300 million. The number that was calculated for something like measles first was around 70 or 80%. Well, they found that that number was too low. Then they cranked it to 80%, 85, 90, 95%. Okay. So what they're saying is 95% of these people, which is around 285 million people, if you take 300 million, need to be vaccinated to protect the 170,000 of the minority of immunocompromised, okay? That's the math. Well, what this math, the big math error here is, what about what percentage of people among the 280 million who get vaccinated, what percentage of them are going to also have some type of injury? i don't mean death only but it could be other types of things that occur to their body from what i just shared with you uh, in this example that other parts of the immune system get perturbed or disturbed they may get autoimmune disorders etc what is that risk well that risk has never been calculated period it's not been calculated so there's a big math error here you've calculated one portion of the people at risk but you have purposefully not calculated this other portion That's the big math error here. And what's more important, what's also important to understand is from a freedom standpoint, do not these people's freedoms also matter? Now, we also know that the vaccine courts were set up in 1986 because there must have been a risk. And in order to protect the big pharma guys, 1986, Reagan, which is very unfortunate, supported the creation of the vaccine court, which says that you can't sue the pharma companies directly. You must sue in a US vaccine court uh, through the uh, Department of Health and Human Services. And I think close to $5 billion have been paid out already as of today. So we know there's a risk, but the lack of doing the risk analysis on that is a big, big math error here. It's essentially an invisible error. You've just forgotten about it. So that's really the fundamental issue around herd immunity that, and and, and the last point I wanna make with herd immunity is, Poland, who's a guy from the Mayo Clinic, has said even the vaccines themselves aren't working, up to 20% failure, even after two doses, for example, the measles vaccine. Does the government, through its agreements with pharmaceutical companies, want us to be sick? Well, it's a, it could be true, but if you look at it from a pure business standpoint, about $55 billion are made from vaccines. If you read any of the vaccine inserts, they describe all sorts of diseases, and if you add up the sum total of to those diseases, what Pharma makes, it's probably a half a trillion dollars. So that's the economics of that. Wish you inform. Wish you can inform CA, our freedom has already taken away. Uh, thank you a ton. Is it possible that some vaccines attack the pineal gland? Uh, well, the pineal gland is interesting. It is, uh, some people call it the central clock of the our, our endocrine system. It is in the in some traditional systems of medicine, it is known as a third eye. It's a gland that's in between the two um, your two eyebrows, but behind in your brain. It does have piezoelectric crystals. A famous Israeli uh, study, or very lesser known uh, Israeli study, found this. Um, but it's known as a central potentially clock of the circadian system. Uh, it is in the brain. Uh, we do know that when you, one of the biggest areas that we're working on right now is understanding how perturbations of the immune system, like a vaccine, like glyphosate, like other things, it's not just vaccines, how they perturb and can cause neuroinflammation. Well, once you have neuroinflammation, you can affect various structures in the brain. Equality for all kids. Thank you for your support. You're a patriot. If the DNC stole nomination from Bernie, uh, make no mistakes how politics work. Doctor, what are your thoughts on spine health? any scientist wants to shut down discussion inquiry or not true scientists well the spine is very interesting by the way there's a cerebrospinal fluid um, there's some very interesting data now coming out on the linkages between the movement of that spinal fluid and the movement of brain function again i think the point that this question really brings out is look we're an interconnected system the ankle bone is connected to the foot bone however medicine is very siloed um, you, you have an illness today, you may be taken to you know, five different specialists. Because the old notion of the general practitioner, your local village healer, the local doctor who saw, the, saw you physically, interacted with you in the 70s, my doctor would look at my eyes, my tongue, they weren't staring at a computer screen. They would really look at you and appreciate you and they knew your family history. Those days of medicine are unfortunately gone and it's replaced with a very reductionist form of medicine hi from essex uk great listening to you hello uh, to you lunar sunshine so so do sick people equal eat profits and is a strategy for the healthcare industry to make people sick Um, well look um when i i've talked about truth freedom and health so one of the things that's happened is the infrastructure of the healthcare system has been subverted by people called GPOs and PBMs, Group Purchasing Organizations, PBMs. Many doctors, by the way, themselves have lost their sovereignty. There are a lot of good people who went into medicine, not to just profit, but because they actually wanted to help people. But when doctors come out of medical school, they have to join medical boards. And the medical boards choke them and they hold them to follow certain protocols and guidelines. So many doctors are also choked. So what you really have is, there are doctors who know that there are potentially other cures, but they're not able to easily afford those to the people. It's essentially the entire medical system, end to end, from the educational piece, from the science piece, and from what are called GPOs and PBMs, who control the flow of all supplies into the hospital, all supplies into pharmacy, there's three of them, are essentially choking the entire process of medicine, um, the delivery of it, at the hospital and at the pharmaceutical level. Officials in Saudi Arabia are religiously following the CDC. That's probably true. Uh, have they become the establishment? When will you see? When will you see on Eric Weinstein's po- podcast? Look, one of the things is um, we do do our own podcast. You know, um, there are a number of people who've asked, "Why aren't you on Joe Rogan? Why aren't you on Eric Weinstein?" Well, you should ask them. But, but what I've decided is we've grown our own organic uh, uh, Twitter followers. Everyone should sign up because it's unclear to me. Uh, are people, many of these people who have a certain podcast, a, a enormous following, are they ready to, to hear authentic stuff from a real scientist? Because many of them are so enamored by celebrities, so enamored by the establishment, that it's hard for them to really bring in someone like myself or you out there who actually have real data and can connect the dots. It may, in fact, be difficult for where they're getting money from. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. The virus, virus are feeding on the toxins then eliminates and then they feed on the toxic waste. Do all countries develop vaccines in the same way? Why does prednisone aka adrenaline work as the only cure uh, for my all over body eczema vaccine shed? Okay, so there's a bunch of issues here. First of all, um, the development of vaccines, there's a primary set of companies, uh, you know, the Merck's, um, the Sanofi's, the big pharma companies who are primarily involved in vaccine development some of them outsource parts of their vaccine development to various other companies throughout the world one of the interesting things is if you look at the entire supply chain of vaccine development it's a very complex engineering system when you build an airplane um, again a very complex system it's an engineering exercise the from the end-to-end development of those airplanes even the boeing 737 in spite of all the things that they put in you still have airplanes falling out of the sky well vaccines themselves go through a very very long complex development process but the issue is the components of them are coming from probably from places like china india etc and each one of those processes the risk assessment of that entire process does not exist and it's not made easily apparent when you develop a drug for example it has to go through a very stringent uh, clinical process same if you build a biomedical device but vaccines have obviated that process. This is something people need to know. Even though vaccines are a product of biological engineering, just like an aircraft is a product of aeronautical engineering or a biomedical device is a product of biomedical engineering, vaccines have not been held to those same high standards. Um, Someone said, uh, why does prednisone adrenaline work as the only cure for all over body eczema? I have not studied it. But you know, uh, many of the skin disorders, I can tell you, are inflammatory responses. So your body is going under some type of inflammatory response. Um, it's something that you know my team at Cytosol can study. As you know, I run about three companies. One of my companies is called Cytosol, where we model molecular pathways. Uh, we do know in some of the skin work we've done in animals, there's a set of pathways, uh, the cornified envelope, there's a set of pathways that are involved in oxidative stress when your body's under stress and ev- all of us vary you will get inflammation you don't have enough uh, antioxidant oxidative power to do that so um, i would encourage you to explore and maybe we'll do a whole research project on eczema itself but i would encourage you to explore the whole area of antioxidant therapy also the whole area of foods potentially what are the inflammatory foods that you're taking into your diet My girlfriend says that she found that pet dogs that were vaccinated outlived ones that uh, dogs, wait a minute. My my girlfriend says that she found that pet dogs that were vaccinated outlived ones that did. Okay. Uh, Please send me the study. I'd love to see it. Uh, Dr. Shiva, bigger concern should be um, fluoride in water. Okay. Let's see, I think, I am, let me see, I'm having a little bit of stuff with my phone because I'm getting so many things here, let us see. Um, oh, there we go. Skin orders, check your vitamin D. Cytosol, sun will cure skin disorders. Is there a hint of eugenics incorporated into vaccines when there's international cooperation? Thoughts on parasites and their relation to the assaults in the immune system or animal vaccines made differently? Can we definitively say uh, that unvaccinated pose no risk to others? If so, what should be our headline? Okay, and what is the epigenome not studied with relation to illness? Um, It's interesting. Uh, Joe Rogan had Peter Hotez on, who is an MD, PhD. Well, I'm a PhD out of MIT. Joe, if you're listening, you should put me on so I can share with you. Uh, all the fallacies uh, of the way that uh, Hotez is approaching the immune system. He's taking a reductionist approach and is frankly not an expert on the immune system. Um, just looking here. Um, anyway, a lot of very interesting questions and notes. What is the epigenome not studied with relation to illness? So I'll answer this. In the interest of time, I'll answer. take about two more questions. What is the epigenome? It's a great question um, you know, in 1950s, we discovered DNA and we discovered um, starting, starting in 1990 and the theory, by the way, when DNA discovery took place, it, they developed a thing called the, um, the central dogma theory. So it said, here's our DNA and DNA creates what are called messenger RNA and messenger RNA creates protein. So you have DNA which codes for messenger RNA and that messenger RNA then transcribes proteins, okay? Translates and transcribes into proteins. So you have this a gene which makes this protein, okay? That was called the central dogma theory which was just unidirectional. And in 1993 we started the Human Genome Project and the goal was to discover how many genes does a hu- human being have. We knew a worm had around 20,000 genes and in 1990 when we started the genome project, we assumed we must have about maybe a half a million or a million genes. Well, when the genome project ended, I don't know if I have a slide here, when the genome project ended, it turned out that we only have about, um, we only have roughly about 20,000 genes. So this flipped biology on its head in a very profound way because people realize that we are not our genes. We have the same number of genes as a worm. And that changed biology in a very significant way, because it said that, um, I I don't have that slide here, but it basically said that we have the same number of genes as a worm. So genes are not who we are. So that fundamentally changed the central dogma theory of Watson and Crick, which said that genes create messenger RNA, which create proteins. And so we realized that's probably not this, again, this uh, model of a unidimensional model you know, this box, three-box model, it actually turns out it's much more complex. That genes can actually be turned on and off, and that there's a phenomenon called epigenetics. So even though you may have a gene for a particular disease, that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get that disease, because there are other factors which can intervene, literally affect the DNA's coding of those particular proteins, and turn them on and off, which could be diet, which could be things in the environment, uh, et cetera. So it's a much more complex thing, which basically means there's a lot more freedom here, that you're not your genes alone. So that was around 2003, and that came to uh, to the field called systems biology, and the big notion of epigenetics came. Well, more recently, in the last five years, something even more more interesting has taken place. When you look at the entire genome, the 20,000 genes that they discovered is uh, out of 98, that only represents 2% of the genome. Let me repeat that. The 20,000 genes that were discovered only represent 2% of the entire genome. So up until five or seven years ago, the other 98% was considered like useless, like dark matter in some sense. Well, recently what we found is that 98% is not dark matter. That also contains genes, but they're not protein-coding genes they actually code for other types of RNA. So the old model was you have genes which code for messenger RNA, mRNA, which then codes for protein. The new definition of a gene is a gene is something that codes for RNAs. And those RNAs could be messenger RNAs, which could be protein coding, but they could be other types of RNAs, silencing RNAs, which actually turn and turn off genes. So what we're finding is that it's much more complex. So um, uh, this is the molecular systems level. That's why I keep coming back to this diagram. This is an engineering systems problem. And when we built vaccines, you know, using this old model, which is the old model over here, okay, think about this model and think about this model. Look at the difference, this and this. I should put a before and after picture. And we're not even, and we're just starting we're like at the bold you know we just started scratching the surface so it's amazing that you have a guy like Sweeney or other legislators who are literally taking sound bites from a guy called Peter Hotez or these scientists who don't even understand the body as a system okay engineers we appreciate the body of a system and we have a humility towards it but MD's and pediatricians nice guys don't get me wrong but they're training teaches them to be in little silos. They're taught to just look at the elephant tusk or the tail. We as engineers have to consider the whole body as a system or any system we, we do. And even then we know we can make mistakes. So this is a fundamental problem with medical training. They don't treat it from an engineering system and they wear their little white jackets. We've put Jonah Sock on a pedestal and medicine has this aura of a godlike aura when in fact, the real people who actually understand the body are going to be engineers. A plumber understands your house's, your plumbing system, your electrical system. Uh, everyday people work with their hands and build stuff. It's common sense to us that you go stick in a vaccine and you short circuit something, you're gonna cause other problems, okay? This is common sense. And we have to, as a people recognize, and I think people with gut instinct already know this, but the legislators, don't need to know this because some of them get paid off. The MDs um, and the pediatricians, they're just there churning away, trying to put out fires all day long, so they don't understand the body as a system. But that's fundamentally the issue that we have here. The reality is that the immune system is a system. It's not just some uh, connected group of you know uh, parts. It's a very, very complex system. Um, So let me, uh, in the interest of time, if there's any other questions, I'm gonna end. What I'd like you to do is invite all the legislators, whether in New Jersey, Massachusetts, everywhere, to participate in this. I'm gonna be doing another one at 7 p.m. I'll also have two scheduled for tomorrow for people to participate in. Um, let me know if you want me to teach anything else. But we need to really educate people how the ankle bone's connected to the foot bone. And for all of those who attended, I appreciate Uh, the opportunity to serve you and I look forward to um, doing this next session at 7pm. Thank you.